the Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 234 for November 21st, 2010. Carriers join forces on a mobile payment system, Virgin lowers the bar for cheap broadband on the go, and Google Voice comes to the iPhone. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Kappas. Brought to you by Square Trade, and with the help of listeners like you, subscribers to The Cell Phone Junkie Unlocked, more information at thecellphonejunkie.com. The show is also supported by the Cell Phone Junkie podcast application for the iOS, now available in the iTunes store for $1.99. And also for those that are Android users out there, we've got a TCPJ app coming for you very, very soon. We're just waiting on the last few details, and we're hoping to have it out to the Android market later this week. More information on the app on next week's show. Now, before we hit the news, we've got our winner of the Z-Boost Metro cell phone signal booster. Thanks to all the Unlock subscribers out there and for those that joined us with their subscription this week to enter the contest. The randomly selected winner is Tyrone Jordan. Tyrone, please send me an email to questions at thecellphonejunkie.com with your address and phone number, and I'll get that out to you this week. Thanks again to ZBoost for sponsoring the giveaway. Now, first in the news, AT&T, T-Mobile, and Verizon announcing a new mobile payment system. The joint venture called ISIS is a mobile commerce network that will allow users to send payments to a point-of-sale system, i.e. a cashier, using the near-field communication technology. Michael Abbott has been named the chief executive officer, and he says that our mobile commerce network through relationships with merchants will provide an enhanced, more convenient, more personalized shopping experience for the consumer. ISIS expects to introduce the service in key geographic markets in the next 18 months. Very interesting one here. Normally, when they do these kind of mobile payments is that they, they, that the uh, vendors you go to have to buy specialized equipment to, to take these payments. So it's kind of, it's a, it, it's, uh, doesn't have anything really to do with your credit card or anything like that. Cause what happens is you'll, you'll go to the gas station, they'll have purchased this, you know, terminal that costs them whatever thousands of dollars in order for them to accept these mobile payments. And when you, you know, swipe your phone by, it'll deduct this out of your phone account. So it's a totally different way to, to, to pay for things, but it's, uh, you know, to me, it's, uh, I don't uh, buy into any of this cause it just seems like more hassle than it's worth. But, um, I know it's a very popular, uh, thing in different countries. Their idea of this is creating what they're calling the mobile wallet. It will essentially eliminate the need for cash, credit, debit cards, anything like that. You'll be able to just make your purchases by just using your phone. It'll be very, very simple. Yeah, and this, you know, in this case, maybe they do link it to a credit card or something like that, but it still will be going through your carrier. I'm, I'm almost positive. Uh, they didn't specifically say, but I'm sure that's how it'll work. And, and of course, they want this to turn into the, to the aspect where you don't have cash or credit cards because then they'll make percentages of the cuts like the credit card companies do on all the, tra- on all these transactions. So they're going to be pushing this real hard. And I think that this is going to take off very, very strongly here because it's got the backing of AT&T, T-Mobile, and Verizon. My guess is that either Sprint is working on something themselves or they will join onto this network after this initially rolls out. But between the three of them, they're saying that they're going to provide 200 million customers 
access to the ISIS service. That's, of course, the number of subscribers that the three networks have. So it hits a good two thirds of the U.S. population, which is pretty decent. That is. And if they were smart about it, they would uh, give the systems away to free uh, for vendors and, of course, uh, make the percentages to accept these payments extremely low, Um, you know, undercut credit card companies uh, by far, which that would drive up the consumer adoption rate like crazy. And they would make even more money in the long run. But I have a feeling that they're going to be, you know, stiffing uh, vendors pretty hard for this. Well, if you want to find out more information, it looks like it's going to be a pretty big campaign. You can head over to paywithisis.com and read more about it. Next in a report issued on Monday, the National Telecommunications and Information Administration identified sections of spectrum that it plans to make available for commercial mobile broadband in the next five years. The spectrum is in multiple bands and covers over 2,200 megahertz of federal and non-federal frequencies. The plan is to set an aggressive timetable for 500 megahertz of the spectrum, including the fast tracking of 115 megahertz in the 1695 to 1710 megahertz range and the 3550 to 3650 megahertz range. The government has also made opening of the spectrum for commercial data use a major goal, as the FCC recently projected that the U.S. will be in a spectrum deficit within the next four years if at least 275 megahertz is not released. The FCC also said it wants to free up at least 300 megahertz of voice and data for voice and data use in in addition to that 150 megahertz exclusively for wireless broadband. That lines up with the national broadband plan released earlier in the year. This is a lot of spectrum, Mickey. This is a lot more than they freed up uh, recently in auctions, is it not? Because that only was, only, I mean, that wasn't that many megahertz that they, they freed up with the uh, the switch from analog and the, the TV uh, to digital switch. So 500 is a big amount here. This goes back to what we're calling the capacity crunch. There's the need for additional spectrum, mostly for wireless broadband services, as we've got more and more devices wanting to hop onto this high-speed network. And the carriers themselves are doing what they can, but the government wants to make sure that the capacity is there so that there's no issue as we move forward. Now, there's something to be said about the types of spectrum here that we're looking at. The 1700 megahertz spectrum is very close to that of the 1900 megahertz, and of course, which is PCS, and then that of AWS, which is also in 1700. But then you've got this 3550 to 3650 range, which is very, very high. This is, I I cannot imagine being used for mobile devices. It's going to be more, you know, point to point type systems or systems that you're connecting directly to. And it's, it's almost like a microwave type of system. Yeah. And they've got a few other megahertz uh, that are up into the four gigahertz range as well that they want to free up. So um, granted, yeah, these uh, prime, the prime real estate is definitely uh, tight. But, you know, with modern broadcasting technology and and modern digital radios, um, they can squeeze the spectrum a lot more than they used to before. Yeah. And this is uh, let's hope they can keep they can keep doing what they need to do to to continue the process of freeing up the areas where they're not using right now, because it'll just make things a lot more smooth for the carriers and ultimately for consumers as we consume more and more on the go. Now, if you think back to the early days of handheld computing, the name Palm likely comes to mind. That's because the company established the early PDAs and smartphones with its Palm Pilot and Trio lines. Lately, though, WebOS has had a tough time keeping up with the likes of RIM, Apple, and Google, and Palm's CEO, John Rubenstein, realized this. He discussed in the company's position uh, through the Web 2.0 Summit this week, saying, quote, By birthright, Palm should have owned the smartphone market, but it just lost its way. 
It's a very similar story to what happened with Apple. Rubenstein concluded his comments by stating that the company and device lineup will be in a very different position by next year. Now, Joey, as someone who's used Palm devices over the past, what, decade or decade and a half here, you got to agree with Rubenstein. I mean, he's, he's talking about something that was very clear when these smartphones first came out, the Trio especially. You saw Palm as the market leader and you had, you know, other phones that were running, you know, the Windows mobile operating system and some other proprietary ones that were there, but they didn't really seem to be the market leader. And all of a sudden, Palm just really kind of they just fell behind and, and now look at them. I mean, they're they're eking by with just a couple of percent of market share with WebOS. Well, it's very, very sad because WebOS is a very, very good uh, operating system. It's got multitasking. That's just, it, it, you almost can't beat it. Um, you know, it's got a great system, but they haven't marketed it. And Palm has always done a horrific job of marketing uh, their devices. We've always talked about that. Um, you know, back when the company used to be U.S. Robotics, and then it was 3Com, and then it changed to Palm, and then, uh, you know, they've, they've always had these Palm Pilots, and yes, I've always used those. And even when I had just a plain old Palm Pilot way back in the day, I thought, boy, this would be great to have a phone on here, have it all integrated in one handheld device. And there was one. There was a Samsung um, that was out uh, fairly early on. I think it was like 2000 or 99 or 98 that those uh, came out. Um, we, we then... Had a couple of other phones, uh, Handspring, which was a it was a company that built handheld devices. They 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 made Palm Pilots with a big slot on the back where you could put in devices, uh, memory cards, and and other sort of expansion. They were the company that decided to put keyboards and then put phones on Palms because Palms were always graffiti based, and really that company is what led the whole you know, charge into the smartphone arena, not Palm and not, you know, they acquired Handspring in 2003. So, but at that time they should have taken that concept and run with it because Windows Mobile was basically starting to gain traction at that point. And and I never liked it because it just wasn't the organizer, the quick and dirty PDA that I liked Palm for. And they did, they completely squandered it um, they had a couple of companies like Samsung, like I had the i500 and it was so frustrating to sit there with the i500 and not have any other Palm West devices to switch to, um, on sprint. And then, you know, there was a couple, you know, trios out there, but just, they weren't very good. Their stability was horrible. Like they crashed and rebooted. That's why I never ended up with a trio because they weren't, they weren't good enough to actually use on a day to day, day to day basis. You know, they had the trio 750, which got pretty good. But uh, it wasn't good until the Central was released, released. But that was the end of the road. So, you know, they really did squander it. And, you know, they put a lot of work into WebOS, but it was way too little too late. Um, and it's just, a, it, it is frustrating that they let that lead slide. But, I mean, they just let other companies come in. So what else can you say? Then now maybe they can get it back with the power of HP and the deep pockets that they can maybe market these things. Rubenstein says that he's anticipating the company to be in a very different position next year. What do they have to do to to find themselves with additional market share? Well, they obviously need new devices. They need devices on on all the carriers. I mean, there's a quite a cult following here of the of the WebOS and the Palm Pre. I've discovered in the recent weeks here, uh, getting one running here for my wife. It's a uh, um, it, it's way more than BlackBerry. The users are way more dedicated to it, and uh, quite frankly, it's a hell of a lot. Um, more fun to look at than the the blackberry I, i'll tell you that mickey because there's the, the 
just the way you interact with it and the way you know notifications just kind of push the screen up it's kind of like watching the uh, tv when they put you know alerts on the bottom of the screen the screen kind of squishes and, and shows the alerts that way instead of covering up something they, or, or having a, a bar always taking up space on your screen real estate it doesn't work that way it's it's way more intelligent than uh than than what i expected so i think that you know the extra devices will be great and and having just some marketing behind it to get more people into it to get more people into it and once you get that kind of that critical mass going then can almost be self-sustaining but they you really have to push it out there because there's huge competition in the market now and i've always loved it since the first day that i saw it i mean it's only really been out on the market here for well, not even 18 months it came out what june of 09 and even with the the pixie and the and the pre and 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 the you know the second or the the plus versions that didn't come out to sprint but came out to the other carriers and now with the pre 2 coming out Every version is has is improved. They've added in additional hardware to make it run smoother. But uh, the operating system is is was from the right out of the gate, just fantastic. Just really, uh, I think one of the best ones that's out there. I mean, I, I I find it to be more enjoyable to use than pretty much anything else out there. But just the hardware and uh, j- just wasn't there. I think they're they're on the right track. I like the Pixie form factor. I don't like the Pixie hardware. It's a small device, but it's too small. It's not powerful enough. It doesn't have, you know, there's all these there's all these things with it. And if they really want to improve their position and get them to the next level, they've got to allow for a, a lot more openness with what they're trying to do here. And I know, you know, managing two devices um, is probably hard enough as it is because they've got, you know, the two to deal with and when they're pushing out updates and stuff, but they really need to find, you know, a lot more if they're going to want to see themselves expand in, in, in you know, what the user is looking for. I completely agree. And, you know, we've read the story before that we're going to be seeing five to six devices, which right. it's tough to say whether or not that's going to be the pre and pre two or, or a pixie successor. Um, or yeah, I have, I, I know we're going to see some sort of tablet style one, which I think the web OS will do very well on that. you know, the browsing capability? I'm actually pretty blown away with the, with how it responds on the pre being a 600 megahertz processor. It loads that page uh, lickety split, um, and, and loads it complete. So I, I think that, you know, just given some of the, you know, the little playing I've done with it, that it, it, it will uh, be very well suited for, you know, a faster processor on a bigger screen. So, um, I mean, it's, it's just something that I, I do hope, you know, I've always hoped for them to, to kick it, kick it in gear here and give us something that most people want because we need the competition out there in the market for smartphones. It's, it's good for everybody to have this style of competition because, you know, the, the, a lot of the aspects of WebOS have been imitated in, you know, the newer versions of Android and I'm sure, you know, iPhone, Apple, they've got some elements here and there of it, but it, it's, it's good for, for, for everybody to have an extra player in the market. Let's just hope that Rubenstein's right and that he can get his company, you know, put moving forward in the right direction here. We're we, we're seeing all the signs. Let's just hope they can take it and run with it. Well, the GSM Association on Wednesday said that they're looking to the future and the possibility of embedded SIM cards with remote activation in the next few years. A press release says a task force of mobile operators has been formed, which will analyze the market requirements and provide a technical solution for the evolution of current SIM provisioning mechanisms. Devices featuring the new SIM activation capability are expected to appear in 2012. 
In a recent MSNBC interview, the U.S. Transportation Secretary said that technology that disables cell phones while in vehicles could become mandatory in the future. Ray LaHood has been promoting a Faces of Distracted Drivers campaign that publicizes the 5,000 fatal crashes each year caused by distracted drivers. LaHood's proposal suggests that a radio scrambling technology could be implemented inside vehicles, though the costs of implementation could be rather high. Further, the scheme would mean all occupants in vehicles would not be able to use mobile devices and data service would likely be affected as well. The proposal is far from reality, though it is definitely something we're going to need to keep our eyes on moving forward. What a joke, Mickey. This is going nowhere. I mean, why would they waste time looking into this? Because first of all, you're going to be uh, actively blocking Spectrum, which is against FCC anyway. They'll never get waivers for this, for one thing, because there's a public safety aspect risk that you have you know, actually jamming frequencies. You, you just cannot do this um, because there's so many reasons that this will, this is, this is, is all we'll see with this story because there's, it, it, it blocks all of the modern technology that we're now using for streaming. Uh, I mean, so many cars are now coming with, you know, data, you know, phone connected uh, data coming into a car and, and all that then would be gone. You wonder if there was ever, you know, the, the transportation secretary or legislation that was passed for trying to get radios taken out of vehicles or, try, you know, you've got all these other distractions. Realizing something like texting while driving is incredibly distracting and, and there's, you know, places and times to do your texting. And, of course, if you're in a certain conversation, you probably shouldn't be driving either. But, you know, there's there's just too many things that they could you know potentially block while in a vehicle. This just doesn't seem right. It doesn't. I mean, coffee and chocolate are the two most, uh, you know, they're, they're very dangerous to have because you spill the coffee on you and you start trying to wipe it up. Or if you get chocolate, it starts melting on you. Those I, I, I've seen those stories before. Um, they should just really ban sale of chocolate and coffee and especially drive throughs. I mean, because you're busy eating and yeah, there's so many better things to to uh, to go after. And of course, just step enforcement up. I mean, it's it, it's, it's like we've talked about before, you know, banning texting. It really won't do any good i mean because speeding is is against the law but how many people obey the speed limit yeah exactly not to mention those of us like me who use services like slacker to stream radio while in the vehicle i would hate to not be able to do that if i didn't have uh you know didn't have that ability to do so and i actually got me thinking about it how are you going to how are you how are, how can you actually put something like this in place and make it so that all occupants of the vehicle can't use it i mean it just doesn't seem right and and there's no way to segregate that either there's not because what if you're standing next to a busy road with your cell phone are you going to yeah. be able to get uh, cell phone service no because every single car next to you is going to be jamming the signal uh it's 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 beyond uh, silly R- really just absolutely silly Yeah. So this proposal is so far from reality, it just died. Let's move on. AT&T's CTO John Donovan Wednesday said the company has now upgraded 80% of the 3G network it operates to HSPA+. Donovan said that he expects 250 million people to be covered with the high-speed network by the end of the year, though it has not been mentioned if the network will be 14 or 21 megabits per second. If you're planning to pick up a new AT&T handset this holiday season, this upcoming weekend is going to be packed with great deals from the company. They announced Friday that starting on the 26th through Monday the 29th, deals can be had from a selection of devices ranging from messaging-centric LG devices such as the View to high-end BlackBerry devices like the Torch. Most of the devices have a price of one penny or even free. The offers are available online only, and some require data plans along with a qualifying voice plan. 
Now, is this the Amazon deal that I read about this week? Because I know Amazon has major, major discounts, and they actually almost always do on cell phones. If you go to Amazon.com, you can get cell phones a lot cheaper than if you go to the carrier store and without rebates. But I know they had a one-cent deal for a lot of phones, but I don't know if it was AT&T or not. That one is actually separate. This is directly through AT&T. They're doing this. Keep in mind, you sign up for service with Amazon. You're also signing a contract with Amazon because they're subsidizing part of the price as well. So if you cancel your term, uh, your contract in the middle of your term, and you've bought your phone through Amazon, you will be paying an early termination to both AT&T and to Amazon. I believe theirs is like $250 or something like that. I mean, it's they, they're they're pretty, uh, pretty hefty. And I, I believe it depends on what device you buy and how much of a discount you get as far as what that is. But make sure you read that terms of service. I did not know that. And I know there's some other companies like uh, Wirefly. I know they yes. have, uh, they, they do fairly cheap phones usually. So if you are in the market to buy a phone, look at some of the, the third party sites. You can save some money. The phone itself, let's just take the, 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 the torch as an example. It's for the, the actual manufacturing of the device and the MSRP of the device is what, five to $600. The carrier is going to subsidize three to $400 of it. That's why if you leave the carrier early, they're going to charge you $325. And if you go any, any further below that, someone's got to pay for it. So in a situation like Amazon, they're picking up that cost. So if you cancel before your contract is up, you're going to have to pay them back. So it's not that they're trying to take advantage of you. They're just trying to make sure that the deal is fair. And so if you buy the phone through them, you better keep your contract because that's their agreement with AT&T. On the Verizon side, Next Generation Network documents leaked out this week with a name. They're calling it 4G LTE. According to the documents, Engadget showed that two new 4G USB modems uh, will be available as well, one from Pantech, the other one from LG. Uh, The Verizon 4G LTE seems to be the branding for the new network that will be hitting the 38 cities and 62 airports by the end of the year. That's too much of a mouthful, Mickey. Just call it LTE. If, uh, you know, make it the LTE network, I mean, make it kind of mysterious where people have to look into it to see what it really is. And, and it just, it makes a distinction from the, the T-Mobile advertising of 4G and the, of course the, the probably AT&T is going to jump on this soon too. So, uh, why not differentiate it with just LTE? I think they're just trying to get the customer in the mindset of saying 4G LTE, and and maybe eventually they'll drop it. I think if they're smart, they will, because that seems pretty ridiculous, and and the marketing for it is just going to feel kind of cheesy after a while. So we'll see what happens. Verizon Wednesday announced that they will start offering discounts on monthly plans to smartphone users on family plans. The smartphone's talk-free promotion will take signups through January 6th and allows customers to add smartphones to their family plan for a $10 per month discount per line. Verizon will allow up to three additional devices to a family plan, which will be a minimum, have to be a minimum of a $70 per month plan to start. This means a five-person family plan would receive a $30 per month discount. Keep in mind, though, that a $30 per month fee is charged for data services for each smartphone that gets added. So it's not like you're adding a phone for free. If it's a smartphone, you still have to pay for the data. And if you take a look at the cable industry of today, that's how the wireless data industry is about to look. Verizon's CEO, Even Seidenberg, suggested recently that the company is looking at plans for its upcoming LTE network that would, would meter both speed and consumption for multiple tiers of plans. So, for example, if you have an LTE network that can provide 5 megabits per second of downstream, the top tier would leave that amount cap-free. However, if you're interested in saving a few bucks, you could choose a tier that is, say, 2 megabits and be capped at that speed as a maximum. 
Add to this a set amount of data that could be used per month, and you can see where Verizon is going. Now, all of these different tiers is really what you have with the cable internet industry of today. You've got a cable internet uh, service that comes to your neighborhood that probably could peak out at somewhere around, let's just say, 50 to 100 megabits per second, depending on what they decided to do, and depending on how much you decided to pay. But instead, you're going to pay for the regular service, which gives you, say, 15 megabits per second, or they'll have a, you know, a starter version that will give you maybe five megabits per second. So they're adding in all these tiers. And the one thing that they haven't done yet, though, is the amount of data that you use, which obviously we've been talking about for many, many months here with what's coming up uh, with AT&T or what's already happened with AT&T and what's coming up with uh, Verizon here very soon. Well, and that makes perfect sense because now we are into the speeds, into the, the broadband, you know, style speed so yeah why not have plans where you can charge extra for for faster speed because i mean really for for most things like i i don't need that much more than 1.5 megabit really i mean sometimes with really big downloads yes it's great to have faster than that um but until you go to streaming media like netflix uh, instant streaming uh, then you need you know three to five uh you need three absolutely minimum and of course you know going above and beyond that is uh obviously recommended so um, you know, this is definitely something I think we're going to see because that, that totally makes sense. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. This is, this is just the future of, of things. We're going we're gonna to tear everything up and you'll be able to decide what you want to pay for. And you're not going to have a device five years from now that you can't get data on. There's going to be some level of data that comes on every device. That's right. And uh, of course, what, what it does is gives them the capability of um, not loading down their network with lots and lots of people at a very cheap price. You know, like my local cable here, I can get a, a, a plan that has one megabit down with uh, 128 kilobit up for, you know, less than $20 a month, but uh, I can get, you know, a high end plan, like you said, for I think 50 megabits or something like that, or 25 megabits. That's, uh, and it's, uh, it's nice to have that option. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the greatest things about, uh, about having the, the throughput that's going to be available on these newer networks is that you be able to choose what you want to do. And uh, they'll, they'll add into it, uh, you know, nicely built out backhauls and, and we're going to have great things coming down the road with LTE. Well, speaking to the Wall Street Journal this week, Verizon's uh, Seidenberg also mentioned that he expects the first LTE phones to reach the market in February of next year. The previous timeline had LTE handsets hitting the shelves in May. The Seidenberg says that the Consumer Electronics Show in January will be a showcase of new devices for the company. Further, he said the Droid Incredible HD from HTC will be hitting the shelves in February as the first announced device. LTE, of course, launching in those 38 markets by the end of the year, though USB modems will be the only devices that we'll be able to purchase right away. That's pretty interesting. We're going to see a whole rash of new devices. They're going to be launching. It looks like a lot harder than Sprint has with their 4G network because, you know, we've got, what, two devices out now. First was launched with the Evo just just a handful of months ago. But now only literally in February here, we're going to be seeing new smartphones in Verizon. And I think they're going to launch uh, a, quite a few of them to really make a splash. And most of them likely will be Android devices. I'm sure we'll see Windows Phone in there. But I'm, I'm having a hard time seeing what other operating systems that are going to come out with devices. I, I don't see it being Apple and the iOS, and I don't see it being BlackBerry. I mean, it's possible it could be Apple. It is. I mean, that's kind of one of my theories that maybe they're going to make a splash with this, you know, Verizon and their 4G network. Because we have seen a couple of reports that they're interested in the 4G, and that's why they've got, they're have they going to be going with Verizon. But it, yeah, timeline-wise, it doesn't make sense it'd be this year. But, I you know, I maybe we'll see in the future. Um, but... 
this is uh, this is quite you know it. I, I what I really want to know is how much they're going to charge for it because you know Verizon's never the the, the cost effective network of choice right. here. So and Sprint they put a ten dollar premium even if you don't have four G in your area, which is uh, almost most people it seems. Um, so now that LTE is going to be in a nice big uh, splashed here and on all these markets, I'm I'm really curious what the premium is going to run. Yeah, I can imagine that it's going to be somewhere probably in that same area, 10 to $15 a month just for the LTE on top of the 3G. But maybe they want to be competitive. Maybe they come out and they say it's going to be, if you've got an LTE-capable device, it's going to be the $30 a month. Who knows? It could be, and it could be something like you uh, have to um, subscribe to the higher-tiered plan to get the faster speed. It may just come with LTE, and you may be limited to uh, whatever, what, 500 kilobits or one megabit or something like you would get sure. on an EVDO network. Um, maybe for the, the fact that it's going to be the same data price because they want to get you onto the LTE network because the spectrum is more efficient and they're going to have more capacity and it may be cheaper for them to provide you that service. So, you know, in fact, maybe they won't charge you any extra to have a 4G phone. But if you want the, the, the blazing fast speeds that are capable, then maybe they'll start charging you. Uh, we should know more here very soon. Only six weeks left in 2010. Clearwire Monday announcing the availability of its network in the Sacramento market. The network covers 1.2 million people and brings the total markets covered by Sprint to 63. Back in August, Virgin Mobile rolled out two tiers of broadband to-go plans for $10 or $40 per month with 100 megabytes or unlimited data, respectively. Engadget reported Thursday that a third tier is being added, a $20 per month offering for one gigabyte of data. The plan is only available through Walmart and owners of the Novatel MiFi 2200. From the release, Virgin Mobile is launching the $20 broadband to-go mobile broadband broadband plan available only at walmart stores and online at walmart.com it's available for customers who have purchased or will purchase the novatel wireless mifi 2200 and will get the one gigabytes of data one gigabyte of data for twenty dollars per month i think this is one of the more affordable ones that you have out there especially you can use it with any device then that has wi-fi connectivity because it's on a mifi five devices at a time up to one gig a month it's very nice it, you know, uh, wireless hotspot uh, sharing, it's, it's such a neat way to do tethering. I, I love that. The, uh, the, the Palm Pre has that option, um, not, not native on Sprint, but they have it on the other uh, carriers. They provide it just part of the OS. And it's so easy to do. It's great. You don't have to connect a USB cable and make a dial-up connection to do the tethering. It's just, it's just there and on. And that is a great price. I think now that we've, uh, we've got Virgin Mobile owned by Sprint directly, they can just provide all these data services uh, for prepaid, which we just were sorely lacking uh, just a couple of years ago. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm very excited to see the different options that are coming out there. You can tether a device or you can buy one of you know the, the super expensive plans, uh, or now you can get all these just great, great affordable ways to get mobile broadband on the go. And, you know, Virgin roaming on Sprint uh, as, well, as, as part of Sprint now, I guess it, it makes a lot of sense. And for a, a, a probably large number of people, this is a great way to save a lot of money because you can, you know, quite potentially cancel a home internet connection that you don't use that much. You use it for Facebook, you use it for a few things. 
you know, this amount of data is, is great for that, uh, for that purpose, because it gives you enough to upload some things and, and do some web browsing, but you can take it with you wherever you go. And of course, then there's some other, you know, security aspects, you know, if you go to, you know, free public Wi-Fi and coffee shops, I mean, the risks are getting higher and higher to actually connect to that network of being of your computer and your data and traffic being all monitored and hacked. So um, this gives you also peace of mind for for a lot better security as well. Yeah, it, it's just a it's a great a great tier. I mean, that was the biggest thing with this is when you had you know for ten bucks a month you only got a hundred megabytes. I mean, you could blow through that really fast without even thinking about it. But one gig is quite a bit. I, I usually don't use more than one gig on on any one of my devices, and so even the ones I use for streaming music and video, I don't usually hit that. Now, for the the, the heavy users out there, you're going to probably be running for the unlimited plan, but for those that are just looking for just on the go when you need it, one gig is great. I, I don't find myself, you know, outside of Wi-Fi all that often. So it's a it's a great option. I, I applaud Virgin and Walmart for what they're doing with that. In Gadget Posting Monday, the T-Mobile has opted to phase out in the even more plus plans for customers that wanted the flexibility of no contract and save a few bucks on the plan. The plans were a good way to go, and you could bring your own hardware or purchase that from T-Mobile at full retail price. And then on Tuesday, the site clarified the situation, stating that T-Mobile wasn't necessarily getting rid of the plans, but they had removed them from the website. You can still sign up. You just have to either stop by a store or give a call to customer service. Possibly a way, though, to lessen customer confusion about plan choices. So you have to give them the secret handshake because you have to know these plans exist in order to ask, you know, in order to have to ask for them to get it on there. But it's great to have that option still. But that's that's kind of disappointing. They took the uh, the option off the website. Yeah, I, I honestly, I think it was a confusion thing. I think you had a lot of people saying, well, I'd rather have a cheaper plan. And they say, OK, well, you're going to have to pay five hundred dollars for a phone. And they'd say, what? My last phone was thirty dollars. Why would I pay five hundred? You know? Yeah. And, and, and you're you're totally right, Mickey. I mean, most of our audience, you know, kind of understands that. But a lot of people don't uh, don't get quite get that uh, the subsidy aspect going into it. Yeah. So ultimately, though, you can still get them. They haven't necessarily gone away. You just have to realize what you're asking for and you'll be good. Cellular South, the nation's ninth largest wireless operator and around 900,000 subscriber carrier, said that it will not participate in Verizon Wireless's planned rural LTE licensing program. The company purchased its own 700 megahertz spectrum in 2008 for around $200 million and is asking the FCC to mandate 700 megahertz LTE devices be interoperable across all networks. And then a day later, it said that it would uh, that it would be launching its LTE network by the end of 2011. The network will be built by Samsung and operate on the 700 megahertz spectrum, like we just mentioned, and will be using voice over LTE for the voice services, though no word on which markets they will be doing deployments. LightSquared on Monday launched its first Sky Terra satellite. The launch took place in Kazakhstan and is followed followed nine hours later by the successful signal acquisition from the satellite. It will be part of a hybrid network that will work with ground-based towers to provide nationwide LTE mobile broadband, though no word on when the LTE service will be available for commercial use. 
Great Call, the company behind Jitterbug Wireless, announced new plans on Tuesday. First off, the Basic 14, $15 a month for uh, 50 minutes. The Basic 19, which is $20 a month for 100 minutes. And then Premium, a $40 per month uh, plan with 400 anytime minutes, unlimited night and weekend minutes, and 7 p.m. to 6 a.m. time schedules for that night and weekend minutes. Also, an unlimited plan for $80 per month that gives you unlimited minutes and messaging. All plans require no contract but uh, and have no extra roaming or data charges and carry over up to 60 minutes from month to month. The holidays are coming up and maybe you're thinking of getting a new phone for yourself or someone in your family. You can protect your investment through a special offer from Square Trade. Square Trade offers prices that are 70% lower than in-store warranties. And if you visit squaretrade.com/junkie, you'll get an additional 25% off your order. Square Trade offers a 5-day guarantee, meaning you'll either have a fixed device or your money back within 5 days or less. Claims can be tracked online, and you can have peace of mind knowing that Square Trade has an A+ rating with the Better Business Bureau. The service has been given thousands of five-star reviews on sites such as eOpinions and Nextag and was named one of the top 100 websites this year by PC Magazine. So let's say you've got an iPhone 4. The device will cost you two to $300 to buy. Should you be one of the unlucky 25% that has a break occur in the two years of service, you'll have to pay up to $600 for a replacement device. Now for just $92 with your discount, listeners of the Cell Phone Junkie can get a full two-year warranty for the device. It covers all issues, including drops, full water immersions, and any other accident that you can throw at it. That's less than $6 per month and covers more than any other company out there. Available for dozens of smartphones, plus many other typical household electronics and appliances. Again, visit squaretrade.com junkie. Click on Get a Warranty and choose your device. Once you're done, you'll see your podcast listener discount in the order summary for 25% off the total purchase. Thanks to Square Trade for sponsoring the podcast. Well, early on Thursday, HP began selling the GSM Palm Pre 2 with no carrier branding. The device has WebOS 2.0, a 1 gigahertz processor, 3.1 inch 320 by 480 display, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, GPS, and a 5 megapixel camera. The device is $450 with no contract. It's not a major upgrade from the Palm Pre as far as the hardware goes. There's a, a processors up from the 600. Uh, the camera's better. I think the screen is the same. Um, and the hardware itself, I think it's physically basically the, the same dimensions. They got rid of some of the sharp edges, I guess, on it. Um, but this is on the uh, AT&T bands for the 3G. Right. So you will only be able to use this one on AT&T if you want to take advantage of the 3G. I believe this is HSPA 7.2. So don't be looking for number one T-Mobile or number two, the HSPA Plus upgrades that AT&T has done recently. But still, you'll have a plenty speedy device. And if you're a WebOS user, you got to be excited about seeing the new hardware finally hit the States. AT&T announced on Monday the launch of the Quantum, the first Windows Mobile 7 device from LG. The phone has a 3.5-inch display, 1 gigahertz processor, 16 gigs of memory, 5-megapixel camera, and the 10 free applications available from within the LG App Store. The Quantum is $200 with a contract and will be available in stores starting this week. Microsoft employees have something to look forward to this holiday season. That is, if they want a Windows Phone 7 handset on Verizon, Engadget posted a special offer for Microsoft employees showcasing the HTC Trophy on Verizon. The Trophy features a 3.8-inch screen, 5-megapixel camera, 
16 gigabytes of storage and a $200 price tag and availability in early 2011. The device is being identified as a quad band global phone. So expect this one to meet the expectations of business travelers looking to get onto Microsoft's latest device. The strange thing is they have to sign up for it before the end of the year. So that's kind of a strange deal. If the phone's not going to be available until early 2011, why would they have to sign up for it beforehand, which is kind of funny. And to make things even stranger, the Windows Phone 7 device that we're assuming is going to be solely the trophy is coming to Verizon sometime at the end of this year. Now, this is confirmed from a Twitter uh, Twitter page from the official w, or Windows Phone Twitter account stating that the phone will be coming or Windows Phone 7 will be coming to Verizon sometime later this year. So something is going on. Not really sure why Microsoft employees would have to order it, but not get it until next year. Yeah, so what I think the I think the deal is, yeah, this is coming a little bit earlier than they uh, than they're stating, and of course, this post from Windows Phone uh, that Twitter message was taken down, so they somebody did post that uh, in error, which of course uh, definitely goes to show that something is coming, which maybe that's what Verizon is uh, launching this year with with the extended hours, but uh, I can't imagine they're thinking Windows Phone is going to sell that much. And you think we forgot about that story from a few weeks ago. What is Verizon doing? We still have no idea what they're doing, why they would extend their hours. I don't think it's Windows Phone 7. I don't think it's the iPad. I don't think it's LTE. But it could be all of these things and just the fact that there's a line that's out the door every time you visit a Verizon store. But I just really still don't know what the heck is going on over at Verizon and why they decide to operate their stores 25% more hours starting on Friday. Yeah, and it uh, definitely could be just to extend the hours for the for holiday season, just to get more people in the door to uh, get more people on the contracts. I mean, that could be what it's for, but definitely seems a little fishy. It does. We uh, we still have not heard anything from Apple, of course. So chances are very, very, very slim that <laughs> this is going to be an iPhone. Don't look for an iPhone this Friday. Nokia Thursday reporting that some of its flagship N8 handsets have an issue with spontaneous power loss. Users state that devices will suddenly shut off and won't reboot or take a charge after the failure. According to Nicholas Savender, head of Nokia sales and marketing, he said in a limited number of Nokia N8 handsets, there appears to be an issue relating to power management. As product quality is the top priority for Nokia, we have taken immediate actions to address it. As with any product performance issue, this is covered by Nokia's warranty and affected customers should contact their local Nokia customer care. We apologize for the inconvenience. And this issue appears to only affect certain handsets, though, of course, make sure you take advantage of the warranty swap out if you are having this issue. And after last week's Nexus S photos were leaked out, we knew that the device had to be coming soon. Then at the Web 2.0 conference on Monday, Google's CEO Eric Schmidt showed off the device running on T-Mobile while he demonstrated near-field communications features. Schmidt said the device was an unannounced phone, but images show a device that exactly mirrors the Samsung i9020. Schmidt also said that the NFC technology would be supported in Android 2.3, meaning the device will most certainly ship with the new OS. Further, he joked that while he admits having said Google will not be releasing a Nexus 2, he never said anything about the letter S. That's a nice tongue-in-cheek reference right there, but uh, it's very actually very neat. We're going to be seeing another uh, Google phone where it's a carrier unbranded release, but I don't know what we'll see here in the U.S. Uh, if they'll even release that here. And of course, there'll be a handful of people that'll buy it just because, you know, they'll be dedicated to it. But 
still just like the first one you know being an uncarrier subsidize if in fact they stay with that model it's it's just not going to fly well and running on t-mobile makes me think that they're they, they still have something going with t-mobile and and maybe it'll be one of those the same situation where you can get the phone and you can get the the plan uh you know where it's a little bit cheaper and you don't have to sign a contract and whatever but i don't know i i i see them having to sell this thing through carrier stores i just i don't think it, it they would decide to do that again what they did with the original nexus no, I, I totally agree, Mickey. I think it'll be just something like the 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 G one. You know, that was the the Google phone, and it was just a regular T Mobile handset. And I think this will will follow that uh, same path. Yeah, I think uh, I, I just think that there's going to be a lot uh, that this phone can do. And just looking at the Nexus One right now, and how how much that is, how the specs that that thing came out with have just totally carried it through 2010. I, I see the Nexus S being that device for Google in 2011. So it is pretty exciting, and I, I like it that they're coming out with another one. And as expected, the Samsung Galaxy Tab will be on sale starting on Sunday, November 21st, that is today, on AT&T for $649. The 7-inch Android tablet offers two data options, either $15 or $25 per month with 250 and 2 gigabytes of data, respectively, 250 megs, that is. Further, AT&T is offering customers a $50 Media Hub movie rental credit with each tab purchase. Regional carrier U.S. Cellular will start selling the Samsung Galaxy Tab on November 19th, or they did, that is, $400 on contract or $600 off contract that matches the pricing from all the Tier 1 carriers with the exception of AT&T. Data pricing is $15 for 200 megs or $55 for 5 gigs with tethering enabled. As they said back in August, Cellular South announced the availability of the Galaxy S on, on, on this past Friday. The device is nearly identical to the Samsung Fascinate on Verizon and is available for $200 after mail-in rebate and contract. Cricket on Tuesday announced the Kyocera Rio, uh, a touch device with a 2.8-inch 240 by 320 display. It's got a 1.3-megapixel camera, 3.5-millimeter headset jack, and support for microSD cards up to 16 gigabytes. The device will run on CDMA 1X RTT only and has a non-contract price of $110 after rebate. AT&T Wednesday announced the upcoming availability of the MiFi 2372 mobile hotspot. The device will be the first to run and uh, run applications and widgets and will be providing HSPA speeds up to 7.2 megabits per second for up to five Wi-Fi enabled devices. The 2372 accepts micro SD cards up to 32 gigs and has GPS for location based services. It will be available beginning on November 21st for $50 on contract and mail-in rebate. A variety of Data Connect plans ranging from $35 to $60 per month, plus contract-free plans ranging from 100 megs to 1 gigabyte will be available. Qualcomm announced Wednesday a new version of the company's hot Snapdragon processor. The 1.2 gigahertz dual-core processor will have LTE, CDMA, and UMTS radios built in, making it ideal for nearly every device manufacturer by late 2011. The MSM8960 is said to have four times the graphics performance of previous processors uh, with the namesake of the Snapdragon and five times the processing speed. Further, the chip will use only a quarter of the power and is designed using a 28 nanometer process. 
Well, looking for another way to support the cell phone junkie? You can join us on TCPJ Unlocked, our bi-monthly premium podcast for only $5 a month or $45 a year. You can listen to our in-depth conversations about the latest in cellular issues, also interviews with industry experts, and much more. Sign up is easy. Just visit thecellphonejunkie.com and click the link for TCPJ Unlocked. A big thank you goes out to everyone that currently subscribes. Well, reports on Tuesday started to roll in that the official Google Voice application for the iPhone had been approved. The free application allows users to access their account, receive push notifications for new voice and text messages, send SMS messages, and read voicemail transcriptions, as well as making phone calls from either their address book or using the dial pad. One of the things I've been waiting for forever to come to the iPhone. It's an amazing application, finally, that's been released to everybody. Um, I, I mean, it's it, it's something that carriers are so worried about impacting their network. But, you know, now that this is finally out, they're probably not going to see uh, any impact whatsoever because it's just, you know, the, the, the amount of voice usage has changed so drastically. And they're probably going to end up having more people use it because it makes it more easy to integrate with Google Voice. It's funny. I actually will make calls using my Sprint phone right now because it's so much easier to use the BlackBerry to dial numbers on Google Voice. I may start using some of my minutes actually now on AT&T because at this point, all I'm doing is really taking phone calls. I haven't been making any from the iPhone because I thought the web app was quite honestly ridiculous. It, I mean, it worked, but it just wasn't all that good. So we'll see. Maybe uh, maybe this will be you know the thing that makes me change and actually start using the iPhone with my Google Voice number. Twitter for the iPhone got an update on Tuesday, bringing with it some much-needed updates. Version 3.2 adds push notifications, meaning you can now be notified when someone mentions your Twitter account or sends you a direct message. Other updates include improved graphics for iPhone 4 devices and improved URL shortening. The update is free from the App Store. Now, as a short aside, I actually installed this, of course, right when it first came out, and for the first couple of days had no problems. And then uh, starting on, I think it was... Friday, because this came out earlier in the week on Friday, I couldn't even launch Twitter. It was just, uh, I would I would click the, the icon and it would just completely crash. Um, I did a, a sync with the computer. It didn't fix it. So I ended up deleting the app and reinstalling it and everything is working well now. So not a real smooth upgrade process for me, but whatever, it's working now. Well, I'm, I'm surprised you didn't have uh, the push notifications before for, uh, for those mentions. That's quite amazing because the Blackberry's had that for a, quite a while now. Well, but this is for the the at mentions, and these are push. It's not just the reaching out and grabbing the at mentions like the the BlackBerry app does. This is gotcha. a that's, instant, yeah, that is that's yeah. very different. Yeah, yeah. And users of Twitter have, uh, that have, have wanted this functionality have likely been using services like Boxcar. This was one of the best things I thought about Boxcar was being able to send out a notification of when you're using your you know someone is mentioning your account. But um, I'm starting to get push notification overload here between. My Twitter and Facebook and, uh, you know, I've, I've got a bunch of websites that I have pushed out. The RSS feed gets pushed out uh, now with Google Voice pushing out the text messages. And when I get voicemails, I just got like things popping up all the time. And, and of course, once you, you know, once you get more than one for that particular application, you don't see what was ever behind it. It's just the most recent one. And so it's sort of good, but there's, there's definitely a limitation with the push. And I'm not sure how much longer I'm going to be using as much as I am with it. Yeah, because you don't want to be interrupted constantly all day because that's really not uh, that's not conducive to any sort of actual productivity. And, you know, you kind of have to almost limit yourself to just 
checking it a you know a handful number of times a day you know on the top of the hour or something check for these things instead of having them just constantly bombard you with the with interruptions i like being distracted i guess there's a reason i have three phones ringing and buzzing and beeping at me all the time i really don't like it anyway and finally the trifecta of ios updates this week Great news for those that use Google Documents and have uh, mobile browsers that they want to edit them in. Google on Wednesday announced that within the next few days, which has still not happened yet, by the way, they'll be rolling out a new Documents editor that now supports mobile browsers. According to the Google mobile blog, that means, and these are not my examples, these are theirs, you can work on that important memo while on the bus or train to work. If you're behind on a group proposal, you really want to make it to the ball game tonight. Your whole team can work on it from the bleacher seats. And you can take minute-by-minute notes at a concert so you'll always remember the set list. And your friends can jealously follow you in real time at home. I don't think that's what I'm going to be using this for. But in the meantime, you can now go over to docs.google.com and soon enough, you'll be able to click on a little edit button and then you'll be able to edit your documents on either Android uh, with Froyo version 2.2 or iOS devices with version 3.0 and higher, including the iPad. This is uh, really big news because iPad, I mean, that's huge news for the iPad, which means you could actually do, you could actually use it for something. Uh, that's <laughs> quite a knock there. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, it actually is quite amazing to have, um, to have this functionality uh, added for Google Docs. Finally, I mean, it took them long enough, but it's quite, you know, speaking of Google Docs, I was able to actually look at the show notes today on my BlackBerry using Google Docs for the whole time I've had BlackBerry since the, the summer. Whenever I try to click on the link for the Google Documents, it just tells me it's a server error and never displays uh, Google Documents. But today it actually worked. Um, so I was actually able to, to read and, and click on the links. That's pretty exciting. I, I don't know why that would happen. I don't know, understand really what uh, what support the desktop browser is is in there that is not in the mobile browser. But whatever it is, Google's got it figured out. And so you can now actually go in or you will be able to go in and edit them. I just actually tried it right before the show. I actually saw an interesting thing. It would allow me to attempt to create a Word document, but then it just wasn't even there. So I'm not sure what that's all about. Anyway, this should all be fixed here. Hopefully by the time you're listening to this, if not very soon after, and from your Android or iOS device, you'll be able to go in and edit your Google Docs, which is fantastic. Skyfire announcing Wednesday that support for Windows Mobile and Symbian devices would be ending on December 31st. The server-based web browser is looking at which platforms to support moving forward, currently leaning towards Mego and BlackBerry 6, as well as Windows Phone 7. Current support for iOS and Android-based devices will continue. RIM Thursday released version 1.3.1.207 of BlackBerry Traffic. Traffic is an application that plans driving routes and provides arrival time information and traffic delays. Use your contact addresses for routing or input a new address. Even email your estimated arrival time to people in your address book. BlackBerry Traffic is a free download from the BlackBerry app world. I didn't install this, Mickey, because I, I'm really curious why this just isn't integrated with, with BlackBerry Maps, why they didn't kind of fold it into one application, why this is a separate application. It's kind of strange. Uh, it, it seems strange to have it uh, be a separate application. Yeah, it, it kind of does. And honestly, I, I'm not traveling regularly on streets that have traffic information that's available on them. I know I know, occasionally, actually you do every day now that I think about it. But um, now I just, I have not decided that this is going to be useful for me. But those that are interested in, in real-time traffic and what's going on on your route, I mean, this 
um, you know, it's it's something to try out. Like I said, it's been in beta for a while. It's finally out, so you can check it out. It's a free download. Head over to BlackBerry App World and search for traffic, and, and it should pop up for you. So if you have any uh, experiences with it, love for you to share it with us because uh, it doesn't sound like either one of us is going to be trying it. So anyway... And finally, in software, Palm on Friday confirming at its Developer Day conference that WebOS 2.0 will be available to the full line of Pre and Pixie devices. The timeline has the update hitting within the next few months. It's been on their website for a little while, Mickey, that they've that they're going to be getting the updates for all the devices, even even the uh, slow sprint Pixie and the uh, the pre so that's actually very good news but but webos 2.0 isn't drastically different than than the the first os so it's a it's a great upgrade though and it's it's really nice that they're providing the the updates for the the first generation devices i agree as well i think uh whenever you roll out something to you know an update like this where you've got these original devices that first came out you know that supported this brand new operating system it's it's really great to be able to support it with additional upgrades moving forward it's going to keep your users happy it does because i mean it works very well for apple um and and it may get to the point where they have to start limiting features like they've been doing with some of the the recent updates and the the much older devices Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely Let's do some questions and comments, shall we? A great one here from Eric. He says, Mickey and Joey, love the show. Keep up the good work. I have a question related to the traveling internationally with the cell phone junkie post that Mickey wrote in July of 2009. My wife and I are traveling to Scotland, the Inverness area specifically next month, and I currently own a Nexus One T-Mobile version, though I'm using the AT&T SIM that is my work phone, and a personal phone that I'm also also as well using with Google Voice. My intention is to take the Nexus to Scotland and purchase a prepaid SIM. While your cache of equipment has efficient and lightweight possibilities, I do not intend to carry around as many devices as you did. In fact, I'd like to use the Nexus for voice, SMS, MMS, and data, leaving virtually everything else at home, chargers notwithstanding. After reading your blog post and extensive Google searching, I'm now more confused than ever. I looked at MaxRoam that you mentioned and the other carriers like Orange and 3, and I've read where using a prepaid SIM sometimes requires settings such as APNs, and I'd like to get the SIM before we go on the trip versus sitting at some shop trying to figure out how to use it after the 14-hour flight. My main question is this. Knowing my intended use, what are the best options for using the Nexus for voice, SMS, and data? That is, get the SIM in the U.S. or the U.K., and from whom? For one final question, since you also mention it in your article, once I obtain a prepaid SIM, do I simply direct my Google Voice number to forward to an international number? Surely there are costs associated with that. Thanks again, Eric. Okay, Eric, we've got a lot of things to go through here. There's a lot of different options here. Um, So we'll make sure we hit them all. Mickey, and the reason you brought all those devices with you is actually to test them all on purpose. You, you specifically actually brought them for for determining what was the best way to go. And of course, you're a cell phone junkie, so you wanted to have as many there as possible so you'd feel at home. Yeah, just as a recap, for those that don't remember this, I had a local SIM from the UK. I had a MaxRoam SIM. I had my iPhone 3GS at the time. And I also had a Sprint device that was roaming on, uh, on, on it was a you know, world phone, so it was roaming on the, the, the networks over there. So I had four devices that I was walking around with, which is obviously crazy, number one, when you're at home. Number two, when you're on vacation, I had four phones. Anyway, uh, here's your options, Eric. 
Number one, you can go with a local sim. It, it's a, a relatively easy way to go once you get to the country. That's the one caveat. Once you get to the country, you purchase the sim from one of the carriers there, and you'll be subject, though, to a local phone number. However, the cost of calling is probably the cheapest, uh, but people will also have to text and call you on that temporary international number. Also, you won't be able to direct your Google Voice number to the international number. It's also going to only really be a good option if you plan on doing a lot of calling back to the U.S. So the, the Google Voice issue is probably going to be one of the bigger ones for you is that it's, it's completely um, you know, unusable. Uh, on the Google Voice setup. You're not going to be able to route your calls over to that number. It, it, it just doesn't work. Google Voice, US only. This would be completely separate. But again, if you want to make a lot of calls, it's the cheap way to go. Now with Max Roam, they have a global SIM that will give you credit to use and you can add a US number for free. This will allow you to direct your calls, though no text messages that come into your Google number to the Max Roam SIM. All texts must be sent through the main number that's assigned to the Maxstrom SIM. Usually it's from Ireland or Belgium or somewhere. Um, so that could be a hindrance to what you're actually looking to do. It is kind of annoying that you can't send text to that number that you've had assigned. Though, if all you're looking to do is is voice, then Maxstrom is going to be a good option. Now, another option that wasn't available for me when I traveled was something called TruePhone and the TruePhone Local Anywhere SIM. Now, I used TruePhone while I was there, but this was as an application on my iPhone, and I used that app to log in when I was on Wi-Fi networks and make voice calls that way. It's very cheap. It's very high quality and it works very well. So I highly recommend looking at TruePhone just for general voice over IP calling. It does work just fine. Though the new local anywhere SIM is a great option. It assigns a US number. It allows both texts and calls to come to it. So that it means that you can forward your Google Voice number for both calls and texts to that number. One of the best options or best things about it, though, is incoming text messages are free. I actually verified this this week. I do have a, one of their SIMs, and I set it up so that I was getting all of my Google Voice calls and text messages coming through, uh, and they did all come through for free. So here's what I would do knowing all of this. Ensure that your AT&T voicemail is set up to ring your other devices if you don't answer this. And, and it's easy to do. Log into Google uh, into Google Voice and then go to the setup. And then under you, where you have your AT&T uh, number uh, set up in there, you can choose to essentially enable Google Voice voicemail. Under there, there's an option to then ring all of your other devices when you don't have that SIM turned on. And this is going to be important because what that means is when you're here in the U.S. up until you're, you get on your flight to, you know, to leave the country, all you have to do is just use your AT&T phone. Then once you get done or when you get on your plane, you turn off your phone, take out the SIM, put in the true phone SIM, and you don't have to worry about your AT&T calls. All of your AT&T calls will then be coming through to uh, the other numbers that you have assigned on your Google Voice account. It's an awesome way. I do it with all the phones I have. In fact, I think I maxed out on Google Voice actually because I've got so many numbers that are on there, but it works really well. So anyway, then go to truephone.com probably now because it sounds like you're leaving very soon and order yourself up a truephone local anywhere sim. When you get the the when you order it, you can choose to have a US-based telephone number and once you get that number, you can then have it uh, assigned in your Google Voice account. Then all your calls uh, to either your AT&T or Google Voice number will come in and your outgoing calls will be feasible for far less than AT&T charges. The outgoing calls from the UK are 70 cents per minute. I believe AT&T charges 99 cents a minute. Plus, 
all text messages that are sent to your Google Voice number. Keep in mind, not your AT&T number. You cannot forward AT&T text messages. That's something you're going to have to deal with. But for all text messages to your Google Voice number will come through to the TruePhone SIM for free. It's it's amazing that they can do this, but I guess it's you know just the way of you know how how the these international sims work. All incoming messages are free. Outgoing texts are only sixteen cents a minute, so that's less than the twenty five or fifty cents or whatever it is that you're you know charging up when you're sending messages on AT and T. Data though is going to be a little bit pricey. It's just over two dollars a meg, but that is cheaper than a la carte via AT and T, and definitely cheaper than MaxRoam. So my recommendation for you is going to be TruePhone. I think it looks like a good option. TruePhone.com actually local anywhere.truephone.com a link in the show notes just click on question from eric and you'll be able to uh be able to get the information that you need for this next up we've got a voicemail from charles hey guys this is charles from the space coast of florida and i was listening to the latest show and uh dude was talking about uh had trouble with iphone and throughput using in tethered mode and i just was going to tell you i had some i have some personal experience with that and I have a jailbroken iPhone 4, and we recently had some cable problems, so my cable modem was not working at all, and uh, the morning it was out, my wife and I were in bed, and I just cranked up. I bought the uh, My, uh, My Y for the, from the Cydia store, and uh, I used that. I shared it out, and uh, it, she was able to join on her laptop. I was able to join on my laptop, and we did three or 400 megs worth of data in that morning, and you couldn't really tell the difference between that and the cable modem. I mean, we weren't doing anything intense. It was all just web surfing and email and crap like that. But still, um, it was very, very doable and very usable. And, uh, you know, and I get around two to three megabits per second if I do a speed test at my house. So, you know, just throwing that out there for informational purposes. Love the show, guys. Bye. Charles, thank you very much for the voicemail. Thank you for the information. And uh, there you go. I mean, I, I remember... Um, using the iPhone when I at one point had it jailbroken and I realized that uh, I, I was able to get very good speeds doing what you're doing, though I, I haven't tried it recently. So um, if, if, the, if you're interested in using an iPhone and fitting that in as the way that you tether, uh, maybe jailbroken and using the MyY service is the way to go. Two to three megs a second. Those are great speeds. So thank you very much for that info. Next one's a comment from Angel. He says, hey guys, love the show. I was listening to the last episode and I noticed that you were discussing AT&T and Verizon's battle against forced roaming between carriers. I work in the industry and I can see how allowing consumers to roam on any network may seem beneficial, but it may not be the case. When we dive into the wireless service agreement, that 17-page document in a wireless sales rep rep's hands, most people uh, during an activation usually end up uh, lining a birdcage with, in the terms and conditions, there's a section of off-network usage. Most carriers have a 50% threshold for off-network usage that they allow you to use before uh, you're considered to have excessive off-network usage, at which point you're then slapped with a letter saying, stop uh, or stay off our neighbor's lawn or you'll be sorry. And essentially, if you go over your, your usage of 50% after more than two billing cycles, you will have your wireless services canceled. Further, you will be stuck with the early termination fee. And while the normal air t- uh, apl- normally air applies to airtime, I wouldn't doubt that data usage applies and that we're now seeing these tiered plans. Open roaming may just spawn the additional clause showing up for future wireless agreements. Therefore, if a ruling falls in favor of T-Mobile or Sprint, 
it could hurt customers in fringe areas of Verizon and AT&T coverage. I know that wasn't a question. I'd like to know what you guys think, though. And thanks for the great podcast. I listen to you guys religiously. Yes, and that's completely true. Uh, you know, we, we really didn't discuss that, but that's kind of something we, you know, I, sometimes I take for granted. But yes, yeah, Sprint, for example, um, if you, you shouldn't exceed 800 minutes um, or a majority uh, for roaming on data, it's 300 megabytes or a majority of kilobytes um, for your network. So if you do this, I, I know if you do this more than one or a few times, they'll they'll contact you with Sprint. They're not real hard um, about that, but that is what they what what you're agreeing to in the terms of service for Sprint at least. So it is something that uh, you definitely should be aware of if you do uh, frequent roaming. I you know I look at this as kind of a you know an interesting topic because he mentioned something that I hadn't really thought about and that was the tiered system of data that we have in the country now coming forth and having these you know having these plans these data plans that have say 250 megabytes if you happen to be traveling in an area on AT&T for example that you don't have AT&T coverage and you roam over on T-Mobile and you're streaming audio or you're streaming video or doing whatever you you can you know you may hit that 125 megabytes really, really quickly and not even really realize that what you've done. And I think, um, I think moving forward, it's, it, it could ne- definitely be an issue that, that pops up as, as more people are, are out there and, and doing different things. I don't see it as much on the TMO and AT&T side as I do on the Sprint side. Um, you know, I live in metropolitan Phoenix, and I'm roaming on Verizon hours every single day because of my, my office sometimes causes me grief. But you know, I don't uh, make a lot of calls, so I don't really worry about it. The data is going over Wi-Fi, so that's not a big deal. But, but it could be, certainly for someone who's in an area where you just flop over to the uh, the roaming partner at the time. Absolutely. I know in the BlackBerry, for example, you can definitely turn off data roaming and you can turn off roaming in general. Um, but of course, that, then that makes the phone a lot less useful. And of course, that was kind of the real point of actually being able to roam is these, you know, non-typical, you know, examples where you're out in the sticks, you know, for a brief period of time and you can have that capability of roaming. That's what's really nice to have that, you know, short term use where you can roam or even make an emergency phone call, for example, even though most phones get around that. But, you know, it's it's that kind of, you know, uh, non-common situation where roaming is very nice to have. Yeah. And I I don't think that we're going to see anything change in favor of the consumer. I can only see things, you know, getting more strict as as these networks, especially as we move into the the 4G networks and LTE comes up here as uh, you pop over from, let's say, Verizon to AT&T. If the ruling goes in that favor where you can roam on LTE networks in the same 700 megahertz band, you could see people potentially getting into trouble. Exactly. And, and, you know, back in the day, probably when most of these, you know, roaming carrier agreements were made, mobile data was nothing. I mean, it was just minuscule little things. We weren't streaming Netflix on our phones at that time. So, um, yeah, the, the, the situation has completely changed. And I think exactly they, they probably don't even want to have the capability of roaming to keep, you know, everything a lot simpler and to keep, you know, costs down for consumers. Because if if you do lots of data roaming, and streaming video, you know, it's going to add up and it's going to become, you know, it just, it just complicates the matter quite a bit. It will. And it, it'll get very difficult for people. And I just, ugh, I don't want to see it, but you're, you're probably right on hell. It's, it's on the way. So anyway, we'll see. Last question comes from Edwin. He says, hello, I just got this Huawei Ascend and I'm trying to add widgets, but it says application canvas process Android dot process launcher has stopped unexpectedly. How can I fix that? Well, uh, Edwin, I think this is a memory issue. Kind of thinking back to using when I've seen some of these issues on Android, it, it always seems to 
come down to some sort of memory consumption or low memory handling. Um, at least that's what I think seems logical here. So here are some of your options. Number one, of course, the easy way to go is to wipe your device and start over. Um, this will be the advice that many will give you for the issue. I don't know that it's the best, though. The problem will still be there. If you load all your applications back on, if you start loading all your widgets back on, uh, it, it, it's probably still going to be there. I don't think that what you're seeing is due to corruption or a bad application, so I, I don't think that's going to do it. The second thing you can do is remove anything that you don't need from your home screens, especially those widgets that are sitting in the background running and you know churning up uh, you know memory that is you know are being uh, not being used by you. So let's say you've got something. I don't know, maybe you're not a big news reader, but you've got the RSS feed pulling down news all the time in the background. Close that application. Don't let it be running as a widget because it's taking up memory that you're using. Also, you can search the Android market for an app organizer to manage your applications. That can also help with how the applications are running on the device. Uh, number three, you can remove unneeded applications. In many cases, uh, issues will form uh, depending on how many application icons you have. Uh, a fair amount of the time uh, it when your phone you know, runs into these low memory things it's because you've got apps that are running uh, in the background. Maybe you don't even know that they're running. So on the, the flip side of widgets, make sure that you don't have any applications on the device uh, that are pulling down, uh, pulling down data or taking up the memory. And number four, uh, some of the applications will have components that consume memory when you're not even using them. So you may want to take a look and see what applications, again, you have on the device and, and go with there. And number five, as always, if you're not satisfied with a device because of the issues, take it back. Don't put up with a phone that isn't fulfilling your needs. It's uh, it's just not going to make you happy. Yeah, and, and, and honestly, there really could be a physical problem uh, with the phone. There may be a bad memory sure. chip or something like that that's causing this issue because... Um, you know, I don't see, I did a quick Google search for it and I don't see anybody having the specific problem, uh, or at least, a, a, a you know, a large number of people. So in fact, it really could be, uh, an issue with the phone as well, as far as the hardware goes. So maybe an exchange or even trying out a store model, uh, to see if that works and, and go from there. Yeah. And I, when I was looking too earlier, I didn't see much that, you know, related to that this was an issue with a lot of devices. But if you've got a lot of apps and you've got a lot of widgets and stuff like that, you could you could easily run into the issue. Um, keep in mind, I, I don't want to see you, you know, get upset with the device. It is, it's not, uh, I think this one probably has um, 256 megs of memory, which should be okay. It, it may have 128 though, now that I think about it. I don't know. Either way, hopefully you're, uh, you're able to get, you know, get some resolution to this. Try some things on your own. Maybe take it back to the store. If not, if, if you just just even after taking it back and getting a new one, it's not going to work for you. Unfortunately, it's not going to work for you. So, um, but don't don't put up with uh, you know using a phone day in and day out if it's not going to meet your needs. It's just not going to make you happy. Even if you're trying to save a few bucks with Cricket, you know, get something that's going to work and that's going to be productive for you, and uh, it'll make you happiest in the end. Now, if you have a question for us, you can get in touch with us a number of ways. Send us an email to questions at thecellphonejunkie.com or give us a call 206-203-3734. You can always send us a text message as well to 775-773-8275. That's TCPJ. You can also follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash junkie, or on Twitter at twitter.com slash junkie. You can follow me at twitter.com slash TCPJ underscore Mickey and follow Joey at TCPJ underscore Joey. So Joey, thank you very much as always for your time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. 
For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.